Hey everyone, my name is Sumble Siddiqui. And I'm Alana Mallon, and we are two new Cambridge City Councilors, and this is our weekly podcast, Women Are Here. Ooh, what a week. <laughs> I was thinking on my way over here that I've seen you 24 hours a day for the last four days. <laughs> Just know. sick of you. <laughs> I know. You did give me a, uh, a gift yesterday, though. What was it? The scarf. Oh, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even remember. And Concert Carlo and was like, "Where's mine?" <laughs> that was pretty funny. It was funny. It was funny. I needed a little levity in that. Going, it was like we, we spent seventeen hours in the chamber yesterday at yeah. a committee hearing. I feel like I lived there. There should be a bed for me. Seriously, and I was seriously considering ordering a pizza <laughs> last night. I'm not even joking. I was like, they would bring one in here, right? And I could just pass it out to people. I was starving. I know. And then I texted you being like, is there a pizza coming? Or like, I was about to text you that because I was waiting. It was already like eight at that point. It was, I, I'm telling you, those nighttime meetings, I'm like, I can last until 7.30. And then pe- there's public comment. And then there's more talking. And then they don't get over until nine o'clock. <laughs> and then I get home and inhale everything. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's not good because you just don't even taste the food. You're just like <sighs> you're just so hungry. Yeah. Anyway, well, there no is pizza. there is uh, some news I wanted to tell you uh, mm. that I'm very excited about. Uh, I found out yesterday during the ordinance meeting, actually. So someone texted me, and mm-hmm. I <laughs> I just I lit up alert <laughs> alert. So Celine Dion is doing a world tour. Get out. Yeah. I know you're not excited, but I'm, I'm being a friend here right now. For those, really? <laughs> for those who want to come with me, it's Friday, December 13th at 7:30. But where? Here? In Boston. Yeah, she's, she's doing going a on world a world tour. tour, and you're not even going to go to like Barcelona or something to see her. Oh, I didn't even think of that. How cool would that be? Oh, maybe. You know what? I like your idea. Yeah. Maybe I will like do that. We're going to go to the TD <laughs> Garden. No, yeah. you're right. You know what? You Don't take the green line. Okay, get, get yourself you on know? a. Iberia. You're right. It was fun seeing her in Vegas. So maybe I can convince a a few people. Look at you pulling out your phone right now. Like (laughs) like you're going to do it right now. I'm like, where can I go? What are the cities? Anyway, (laughs) if any are to our listeners, uh, I hope you uh, consider joining me. (laughs) In Barcelona. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm very excited for you. I'm surprised I didn't hear you like jump out of your seat last night. Upon hearing this news, you didn't see my tears of happiness. No, I didn't. <laughs> the one thing that I've you didn't enjoying. notice my tears of sad, not pizza having. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> um, all right, people, we are going to get to business here. We had a city council meeting on Monday night, and there were a few items of interest. The first one was my favorite one, and yes. that's why we're going to talk about it first. Is we had a report back from the city manager on an item that we put in in June of last year, uh, all the female city councilors asking that the city fund a memorial to commemorate the suffragists here in in Cambridge for the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment, which is in August of 2020. So like I said, this was put in by all of the ladies on the council. And we were so inspired by an eighth grader named Sophia Bernstein, who said she doesn't see enough art representing women here in Cambridge and asked us to consider a memorial to the suffragists to try to make the contributions of women here in Cambridge more visible. So on Monday night, the city reported back that they're proposing a $3,000 investment and funding for the artwork. um, So that won't include any lighting or sighting. It will just be for the artwork. Um, And they announced that there will be a committee to do an RFP and to actually figure out what this what we're going to be asking an artist to do. 
And it has so many really amazing women on it, um, both from our city departments. So Kimberly Sansusi from the Women's Commission, Tanya Ford from our Election Commission, and Sarah Burke from our Historical Commission. And as well on the committee, there's going to be some really famous women in this field. So Barbara Berenson, who literally wrote, wrote a book on Massachusetts women and the suffrage movement, who just was here in Cambridge, actually, doing a talk. She went to Harvard and Harvard Law, and so she's no stranger to Cambridge. And Jane Kamensky, who lives here in Cambridge and is the director of the Schlesinger Library at Radcliffe. And, you know, the Schlesinger Library has an impressive collection of suffrage materials, papers, leaflets, and artifacts from that time period. And we actually went there to go see it. It was really fun. It's really amazing. The, so the Schlesinger Library is actually closed right now, but it will reopen, I think, sometime this year. And you can actually just go check it all out. Um, so, of course, there was honorary members also on the committee. Um, Sophia Bernstein and her mom, Kimberly, who spoke actually at public comment uh, on Monday night. That was really great. Yeah, actually, Sophia is like so impressive. So just for people who don't know this, I've talked about Sophia on this um, podcast before, but she, as a third grader, started the conversation uh, about having a women on money when she, <laughs> at like 10 years old, <laughs> wrote to President Obama. And she was like, why isn't there any women on our, any of our money. And President Obama actually read it off at a at a press conference and that started this sort of whirlwind for Sophia where she was actually invited to Washington to meet with Tim Geithner, the head of the Treasury, and got this movement started, which then all of a sudden stopped because we have a different president. So Sophia has turned her attentions um, a little bit more locally. And so we get, um, we get her activism here. So uh, I think, you know, one of the things we talked about on Monday night was how important it is to get this um, commemoration right, um, that the narrative around the suffrage movement doesn't really tell the whole story, and specifically the role of white feminism and how there was a schism in the movement, and many women, namely American, African-American women, uh, were left way behind and didn't actually get the right to vote until the Voting Rights Act in the 1960s. So when we went to New York City in October, which was really fun, <laughs> um, to do the research for this project, we met with the New York City Cultural Affairs Director and New York Historical Society about the real suffrage experience and how we in Cambridge might work to ensure that that whole story is told through our art piece and not to further the whitewashing of the suffrage movement. On that same trip, we also met with a private group who fundraised to erect a bronze statue of Susan B. Anthony and Elizabeth Cady Stanton, two prominent white women who helped lead the suffrage movement as the narrative goes. Um, but it's been, and it continues to receive criticism as not being inclusive and continues to perpetuate that troubling narrative of the suffrage movement. In fact, like last month, there was an article in the New York Times uh, titled, Is the Planned Monument to Women's Rights Racist? Yikes. So that's not what we want here in Cambridge, but based on the people we have on the committee and their commitment to this issue, we have a real opportunity to do this in a more inclusive way here in Cambridge and to tell that whole story. So I think, it, you know, using the 100th anniversary as an educational tool for our young people to ensure that the narrative is actually the whole story is told. I think that's a this is a fantastic group to do, and I'm excited about this. Um, we will actually have a piece. <laughs> we won't have the actual art piece, but we will have the art um, concept by August 2020 for the anniversary. And the first meeting of the committee is tonight. Was it on Tuesday? It was I on Tuesday it, okay. night. Mm -hmm. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, and I heard it was a great me meeting. Sarah Burke from the Historical Commission actually did a whole, like, telling of the whole story awesome so yeah so exciting. yeah we'll keep you posted and you'll probably be hearing more about it i'm excited about 
the where where it could be. There's so many decisions that I know. Be made. So, but now it's out of our hands. It is. It is. It's somebody else's baby now. And thank you to Sophie. Sophia. Sophia. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. come on. She like future city councilor. Please, mayor, she'll be our president. senator someday. <laughs> president. Yeah. She just like stood up there and she was like, "Look, I don't, I don't see any women out here, and that has to change." And we were all like, "Yes." Just amazing. Yep. So, in other exciting women news. Uh, we are renaming streets in Cambridge Crossing. So there's uh, an industrial no man's land where East Cambridge meets Charleston and Somerville. Uh, and it's been long referred to as the lost half mile. And it was uh, reclaimed and eventually re- redeveloped into something we call North Point uh, starting in the 1990s. And more recently, it's been known as Cambridge Crossing. So two of the streets will be renamed for prominent African-American women and uh, abolitionist Harriet Jacobs. Oh my God, I was so afraid I was going to say that wrong. And you did it. I didn't. Red leather, yellow leather (laughs) theater. Uh, And Harriet Jacobs and suffragist uh, Gertrude Wright Morgan. So that's uh, may seem familiar to you people. Uh, She was the wife of Clement Morgan for who a park in the port is named, Clement Park. Right, right on Columbia. We've gone there a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the area will have Jacob Street and Morgan Avenue, and the other two streets will be renamed Education Circle and Water Street, extending street names that already exist there. So we had a little ceremony at 4.30 uh, right before the council meeting, and one of um, the uh, Morgan's uh, nephews, great-great-nephews, was there and spoke at public comment. One of the things he was talking about was... um, Hidden heroes. Yeah. Right? Was that hit? That was like kind of yeah. the thing. And that there's all these hidden heroes everywhere. And she was one of them. And that this is really bringing her out into the light. Um, you know, if you think about hidden figures in history, that's usually women or people of color. So it's really nice to see um, them being honored in this way. And it was actually a really female empowerment night between the suffragist Art and Sophia. I and wanted this. to start like singing like Beyonce. <laughs> like, run this world. We should. <laughs> We should have had like a flash mob. I, know. I literally almost wanted to quote Beyonce, but I didn't. You didn't. I had a moment on Sunday morning where I had drank too much coffee and I was like, I want to make a sashes for the council <laughs> oh meeting, like God. like a votes for women. And then I was like, Alana, rein it in. <laughs> rein it in. Rein it, rein in. it in. I just, <laughs> and I did. You did. You I were did. good. Yeah. I, yeah. I reined it in a little tiny bit. Um, so the other thing, another thing that the city manager reported back to us was that we are going to be expanding our very popular curbside organics collection. So there was a $300,000 appropriation that was requested to begin preparing for the expansion um, to larger buildings. So right now it's just smaller buildings, 12 units and lower that will get um, curbside pickup of compost. And now it's going to be for larger units, 13 units and up. Um, And that collection will begin this September. So That's pretty exciting. I have a lot of people who, um, you know, live in apartment buildings and they're like, what about us? Right. And that'll happen in September. Yeah. And during the meeting, there was a point about the fact that for for those who live in public housing and Cambridge housing, they have their own kind of waste management system. But could there be an opportunity in the future to have private howlers Mm. work with them? Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, I'd love it to be expanded to everyone. Yeah, and uh, so I was like looking back in all old policy orders, and in last May we had um, issued a policy order asking if there could be a small business pilot. So right. like for restaurants, they actually, you know, they do composting, but it's very expensive. So 
we are doing the small business recycling pilot. Um, and it would be great to add in a, a curbside composting pilot for our small businesses just to take one more um, expense off their plates. So we'll, we'll stay, we haven't heard back on that. We'll definitely um, report back when we do. So another thing we talked about was um, we, I had requested raising the fines, the ticket fines for blocking a loading zone and bike lanes. Um, this was a while back, and we got a report back from traffic and parking. And it basically said if we want to increase the parking fines for blocking loading zones, which are currently $40, I had suggested 90 and bike lanes, which are currently 50 and I had suggested 100 um, I think lots of us would like to increase those fines. Uh, we would need a home rule petition. So the fines are actually capped under the state statute, but Boston charges um, the $100 for blocking a bike lane and $90 for blocking a loading zone. So there's certainly precedents for doing it. Um, and I do think it's it's a safety issue. It's a curb allocation issue. We've got lots of trucks that actually park in the bike lane because people are parked in the loading zones um, for too long. So having that deterrent um, and creating less of a chaotic situation in our, especially in our squares, I think is critical. Um, so we... Um, we asked them to look into putting together a home rule petition for that. And they're going to come back to us. Yeah, and hopefully soon. I know um, Joe Bauer said that they were planning on actually increasing the um, the blocking the loading zones mm -hmm. from 40 to 50 in this year's budget. So that'll that'll actually happen. But for the larger fines, I think it will take a little while. But hopefully we can get it'll that. happen. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. The other thing we uh, talked about was the cannabis business permitting ordinance. You know, we used to talk about cannabis like all the time every week here it's been a while it's been a while so well, bring it back here we go i'm bringing it back bring it it's back, gonna be back next week so <laughs> uh, we passed the zoning ordinance related to where and how many retail cannabis stores may operate but before that gets put into law uh, we've been waiting for the companion ordinance to guide us in permitting applicants for stores as well as cultivators transporters and product manufacturers so we have expressed a lot of strong support for giving economic empowerment and social equity applicants a chance to compete. Uh, so for the first, what the ordinance ha is the way it's written now, for the first two years, the ordinance would grant permits only to these applicants. So they would, their priority A, and to existing medical dispensaries, prior, priority B. And then they would have to negotiate host community agreements and comply with zoning. In addition, there's a few other things like cannabis Business, businesses would have to comply with the living wage ordinance and at least 50% of employees and board members would have to be minority women or veterans. So that's how it's currently written now. And we'll have to, ha this was referred to ordinance. Mm -hmm. And our ordinance meeting is April 11th, uh, 6.30. Okay. Uh, next Thursday is when they scheduled Super it. Super great. Uh, and uh, yeah, I look forward to uh, working on this uh, as it in in ordinance and also I mentioned in my remarks about this I think every day there's an article in the Boston Globe on this topic and how difficult it has been uh, for economic empowerment applicants to get their foot in the door because it is such a multi-million dollar industry and it's uh, really it, there is a monopoly already that exists Yep. So, it, it, you know, it's I'm, a frustrating thing right now. But like the mechanics of it, you know, just to open a store is like one point five million dollars. Right. So you need capital. So I mentioned like we can have the zoning. Sure. But we're going to have to figure out other things, other ways to support this class of entrepreneurs. So this woman came and I, I'm not remembering her name and I apologize. Miss Van Jones. Is that 
Is that was that who it was? Yeah. I feel like it was Saskia. Yeah, Saskia Van Jones. Miss huh. Van Jones. Oh, okay. Um one of the things she said that I was like, yes, is that um there should be a requirement for shelf space for sure for my for economic empowerment um applicants to actually have shelf space mm-hmm. in existing um, you know, sort of bigger non economic empowerment. <laughs> in the prior yeah, yeah yeah in the existing um because that you know that that's a l- less of a, a, a huge investment um but it's a way to kind of get your foot in the door and some of them are already voluntarily doing it mm-hmm. so i've asked the city solicitor if like th- does that need to be a requirement can we put that in the host community uh, agreement? where do we yeah, put yeah. it you know like it, instead it, of the ordinance it would go into the host right agreement. like where are I we see. putting it or can we put in the ordinance because if it's already being voluntarily done mm-hmm. um you know, it, where where can it be? So there's a few other things that she had suggestions about that I hope that I've asked the staff to see which ones are not particularly zoning, but where where could they go, whether it's in hosted community agreements or uh, how we can come up with a plan to... Well, I look forward to this um, coming up at ordinance. I think one of the concerns, you know, we, d- we did the, the zoning specifically so that an economic empowerment applicant can also be in the same sort of zone, mm-hmm. same buffer zone as a non-economic. But like in Inman Square, I think we're going to get one right across the street from the other. Yeah. Um, so I think it's going to be a little bit tricky to talk to residents about mm-hmm. why that's happening. Yeah. Um, so I think we need to really be... We need to have some really strong language around it and, and really be and really understand why we're doing it. Yeah, and understand all the positive and negative externalities, right? right. right? So stay tuned on that. We'll, we'll know more. Uh, that was uh, all. The, there's a more that came up in the meeting, but those were our highlights. Highlights. And we discussed. Uh, I did have a policy order in there, and my aide Sarah, we were, we were calling it. She she had a joke about it. She was calling it the trashy PO. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, the things that make us laugh, right? right. <laughs> City politics. So uh, it was really the policy order was to um, control trash and rodent issues on Ring Ave, uh, and ask for measures so to control like the, the problems. The bus stop. Right across right, the street yeah. from the my towers. original bus stop. Yeah, and it's the worst. Yeah, yeah, because that's my my son plays soccer and right. flag football over there, so I'm like always in that parking lot. I'm like, why is it so? It's awful. So yeah, so we are hoping to have a long term solution. Good uh, to that. So cool. hopefully, if you see some new uh, trash cans there, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for your trashy yeah. PO. <laughs> we talked a lot about trash on Monday night. Actually, we did. We did. <laughs> What uh, else happened this week? Oh, okay. So we've had a lot of different meetings. One of them was an ordinance meeting on an accessory dwelling units. Um, did I just cut out? Did you? No, I don't think so. I'm Now I'm like, I, okay. No, you're good. Hi, everyone. I'm back. <laughs> you're back. <laughs> so we have had an accessory dwelling ordinance in place for several years, but it just hasn't netted um, the amount of units and applications that we thought. I, I think the original thought was there would be a thousand of these accessory dwelling units. Um, the way that the ordinance was originally written, it had to be um, an accessory dwelling within your house. And what they're doing with this um, kind of update to the ordinance is making sure that you can have something like if you have a garage on your property or some kind of existing structure, you can also make that into an accessory dwelling unit. And just fixing some of the language that might have been a barrier. Um, this is like kind of a tweak, but it's taking a long time. Um, but one of the things I said <laughs> in the meeting was, you know, 
most people don't have 900 square feet in their house to convert to an accessory dwelling unit. And I kind of got some blank stares a little bit. I was (laughs) like, I don't have 900 square feet. But I do have a garage in my backyard, which actually my mom has been talking for a long time about just like dreaming of like turning it into like a tiny house for her to retire into. And um, I think there's probably a lot of people that have these, you know, structures that they're not using or in their yard that might actually turn into something like that. So um, I guess it is, we're going to have another meeting. Yeah. About it. Um, The staff has to take a look at the ordinance to see if the language is kind of kosher. Yeah. Councillor Kelly had language that he had proposed. And Mm -hmm. so they have to see if that aligns. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I also, I brought up the fact that, so since the ordinance, there's been five applications oh and two of them were new construction yeah two or three i think it was it was a lot yeah so all that to say i think we have to once we revise this a little bit i think we have to do a little bit explaining of what you can do here and really if we want the numbers to increase and we want this to i think a thousand is a little bit too ambitious if we're saying a thousand more housing units Mm -hmm. but i think uh, we, we could do a better outreach plan about what an ADU is and what you could use it for. I loved your example of the tree protection ordinance postcard. It was like, that thing just turned right around. It would be great to have a little postcard that goes out like, hey, we have this ordinance. Exactly. If you're thinking about building an accessory dwelling, now we've made it even easier. Go do it. Go do it. (laughs) (laughs) So we had an ordinance meeting uh, last night. uh, Two ordinance meetings this week, people. Yeah, it was, it was Just a Just drop off cookies at, at City Hall, please, for oh my someone and myself. That would be really nice. Wouldn't that be nice? That'd be, and hugs. <laughs> uh, so we held a long public hearing uh, last night to discuss the, don- the zoning petition filed by Stephen R. Karp, the trustee of Cambridge Side Galleria Trust, to add a new section, uh, which would be section 13.100, to Article 13, and amend the zoning map to add a new PUD a district overlay. Oh my God. I'm like in real people terms. What does that mean? So <laughs> basically the zoning petition is seeking relief to reimagine and rethink the Cambridge side gallery space in this new landscape of retail, as well as rethinking first street and moving some retail onto first street, adding housing lab and office space to this parcel. So the area we were talking about extends from land Boulevard to first street and from Cambridge side place to the Sears building and the entrance into the canal. And so the proposal would remove the above ground parking on First Street, which is around 800 spaces. And there would be three new buildings along First Street with ground floor retail, enhanced street canopy, a cycle track, and the retail would have a setback from the sidewalk to give it a kind of a promenade feeling. Uh, and the renderings show an active fun space, which would add in new housing units uh, that could make First Street feel more neighborly. So the zoning relief that they want to make the project feasible is adding 165,000 square feet to the parcel and adding to all building heights, especially to the one on land boulevard across from the Sinesta. So right now the base zoning there is 85 feet and they are asking for 185 plus uh, mechanicals of 40 feet. So that would be the tallest building other than the Sullivan Courthouse um, so 50 um, Binney Street, who it's on the corner of Binney and First, is 140 feet tall plus 40 feet of mechanicals. So that's 180 feet tall. And yeah. So this, they're proposing that it would be 225 200, yeah. feet tall. So almost 40 feet taller than that 
yeah. building. Yeah. And the planning board felt that it was too tall. And so did the council. And we all felt that there wasn't enough housing in the parcel. Only 140 units planned, which would mean because of our inclusionary zoning about 28 affordable units and less than that if we want family sizes. So we had a lot of discussion um, and there was a lot of discussion at the planning board and at ordinance about also not offering enough community benefits for the zoning relief they're, they're asking for. So we decided to have it stay in the ordinance committee to work out some of these details and there'll be more meetings. There'll definitely be more meetings. I have to say, I mean, I'm really excited about this project because as everybody knows, malls are dying. Um, dying. And the way that people shop is totally different. And, um, you know, if you've been into the Cambridge Site Gallery lately, the entire third floor is closed. Um, that is going to be turned into office space sort of right now. Um, but it's really been struggling. And First Street is kind of, there's just a wall, you know, from Cambridge, Cambridge Side um, Drive all the way down to really to um, Cambridge Street. So um, opening that up and making it feel like there's a lively first floor retail and a cycle track and more trees. I mean, I'm just, I'm excited about that. I think it's great. Um, I think adapting that whole parcel for kind of what's happening in 2018 and planning for the future. I guess it's 2019 now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, I'm excited about it. I think there's definitely some kinks to be worked out. And I think, you know, height being one of them, housing being one of them, um, and the community community benefits piece. One of the things that I really like about Cambridge Side and, and New England Development is they are a really good partner. And I think people came and said that last night. They, they're they very responsive to the community and always have been like, they sponsor little league teams, they donate to everything, they, you know, do, do, they do these runs, um, the half marathons, and they don't, you know, they donate all the money to uh, Cambridge Camping, who, you know, is a really, that's a really, really great organization that <laughs> operates on a shoestring. So I think, while there is probably a lot of work to do, I think what they came with is is pretty exciting. Yeah, it's exciting. I think I think we'll be able to f- come up with a compromise. Uh, another thing that we both talked about was it, I'd love there to be some kind of entertainment. I know you stole my thing. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I just read your <laughs> mind, but I, and I didn't. I actually, you know, the, the, whether it's a theater, but you know, I was thinking. I didn't. I forgot to mention this last night. But like barcades. Seriously. Like the Roxy's here? Roxy's. Or even I was thinking as I got home last night, like um, that flatbread's over in Somerville, right. like bowling. a bowling place. Like what? Okay. So we're just like having this conversation. <laughs> but last night, one of the things we were, everyone talks about Assembly Row as being like mm-hmm. this awesome place and it's taking all the consumer business and da da da. And we were both saying like, we never go there unless we're going to the movies. The movies. And you do sort of, you're like, oh, I'm going to the movies. So I'm going to eat at Paul or, or pick something up at the J. Crew outlet or whatever. But I never go there specifically to buy stuff. It's really like an entertainment place. And could there possibly be something that they would consider actually putting in that would bring sort of people from the neighborhood and, and activate that space um, and make it beneficial? I hope they bring in a fun thing. I know. I think you said an arcade last night. Did I? Okay. Exactly. <laughs> Dennis was like, <laughs> <laughs> what? An arcade? Yeah, something like that. Well, it I mean, I, anything. I didn't say this last night because people would be like, oh, my God. But there's that um, Dave and Buster's. 
which is not something (laughs) I'm suggesting at all. But like every parent in Cambridge knows that if you want to bring your kids somewhere to do something fun, like you have to get in your car and drive. Yeah. Like you want to go to the movies. I mean, I love to go to Apple Cinema, but like if you want to go and sit in like those big chairs and watch an IMAX, mm -hmm. like you're driving to Somerville or you're driving to And there's no parking there. It's I was at Assembly Row last week and it is survival of the fittest i i I had to wait for like for i like for a parking spot for so long it was so the demand there is the orange line yeah i could have but Mm -hmm. (laughs) i know trees (laughs) trees okay we also had a transportation meeting yesterday which was wow (laughs) super my ears hurt after that yeah well yes it was very emotional um so we were discussing at the transportation meeting um a petition received by the city council on march 4th um by submitted by the cambridge taxi drivers and owners association um and which was discussing whether additional regulations on the transit network companies, so like Lyft and Uber, which are called TNCs, could be, could be implemented in Cambridge. It was a heartbreaking conversation in so many ways. Um, one, TNCs, the number of TNCs on our roads is some crazy high percentage of the traffic that you hear see here in Cambridge. Someone yesterday at public comment said 43%, which I have not verified, but I was like, yeah, that feels right. <laughs> like, <laughs> especially at night, like it feels like right. every car on the road has a Lyft or an Uber um, laid in it. Um, there were a few things that the taxi drivers in the petition have asked for city support for. So one of them is a universal app that would help, um, you know, actually book and do a lot of the things that the TNCs, their app does. Um, and then uh, helping with a unifying branding and marketing plan with a single logo, et cetera, as well as the city committing to maintaining existing cab stands. Um, I think in this situation, um, the taxis versus Uber and Lyft, there's certainly a lot of blame to go around. Um, should taxis have been swifter on the uptake and started taking credit cards? Um, should they try to tried to unify and get on board with app booking and using technology when Lyft and Uber came in, sure. Um, But should the state have written stronger regulations to protect the taxi industry during this disruption? Yeah, 100%. Um, In fact, our traffic and parking director, Joe Barr, said yesterday that the state level regulations are comically ineffectual. And the truth is municipalities have little room to do anything to protect um, ourselves and the taxi industry. So in 2017, we had here in Cambridge 6.8 million pickups of TNCs. And so we will have the 2018 numbers in June, but there's no indication that that number will be less than 2017. So just for clarity, um, that's about 19,000 pickups per day. And that doesn't even include drop offs from other municipalities. So it's crazy. That's crazy. That's a lot of Ubers and Lyfts picking up, dropping off, deadheading, which means that they're just driving around the city waiting for their next fare, or idling in parking lots or spaces um, waiting for their next pickup. So Cambridge gets 10 cents for every pick, trip picked up. So for 2017, we got $680,000 um, that can go back into road maintenance and other places where having that many cards on the roads can impact. One of the things we asked the city solicitor yesterday is if the funds um, that we received from 2018 can go back into directly supporting the taxi industry through some of the things that they asked for support for in their petition. So the state actually gets some portion of the ride as well. And a portion of that funding, a portion of the portion of portion of the funding is supposed to go into direct support of the taxi industry. So 
um, there was just a report that currently there is $6 million mm-hmm. in that fund, and none of it has been spent. Um, the state is actually asking the MAPC to study how best to use this funding. So while I would say I'm all for careful planning and study, there are a lot of people out here losing their homes. So um, in researching for this particular hearing, um, I was doing some reading about in New York City, which is actually pretty bad. Eight taxi drivers have committed suicide um, over this because they have loans on a $500,000 medallion, which is pretty worthless now. They were saying yesterday that medallions here that used to be worth half a million dollars are worth about 16000 um, that's that's somebody's whole life, right? That'd be like if you just bought your house and then it's you're paying your mortgage and it actually. <laughs> yeah, one guy talked about not being able to in- inherit uh, to give yeah. any inheritance to his kids because and, of this. And you know, like if I was look, it was a pact. It was right. pact, and you know, it was a lot of immigrants yep. and a lot of people. You know, their middle class job was doing this being a taxi driver and their livelihood is gone their money is gone and so like i said it's a it was a heartbreaking conversation so new york city just passed legislation um, to try to protect the taxi industry limiting the number of tncs and enforcing tncs um, to pay a minimum wage and I, i mean my feeling is the only people making any money off these TNCs are these Silicon Valley right. VCs and now shareholders in the case of Lyft, which IPO'd at $29 billion this week. Um, people who are driving for Lyft and Uber aren't making money. Nope. Um, in fact, there's tons of reports about people actually having cars for two or three years um, and, having t- and they're useless. Um, so people aren't factoring in the, you know, the wear and tear in their car. So anyways, I, I just felt like it was a heartbreaking conversation and, and we're probably having it like way too late. Yeah. So another thing that I suggested in the meeting um, was that we work with Boston to see if we can file some kind of home rule legislation to make, um, if we can enforce any kind of limit, anything, anything that we can do. Um, you know, I think environmentally it's an issue for safety reasons, having that many cars on the road flipping around and dropping off and i mean how many u-turns do you see everywhere somebody's going to get killed um so environmentally it's an issue safety reasons and for saving and supporting middle class jobs it's an issue that needs to be addressed um and like i said i think it's probably too late but the new york new york city example gives me a little hope that we could probably do something yeah i i'm really glad that the city we had this conversation uh, thanks to the vice mayor for doing it in a timely fa- fashion. Uh, we, yeah, I'm not on this committee, but I, you came. <laughs> I came because I, these taxi drivers are, reminded me of family, right? right? Like right. people come to this country and mm-hmm. um, you know, perhaps very well educated in their countries, can't find jobs in the taxi industry was once a, a, a way to make a good living. And now with new technology and all this disruption, uh, we have to figure out a way to adapt, but I think that's where municipalities can play a role. Mm-hmm. And it seems that our license commission has been communicating with taxi, uh, the association, but I I think the more they can keep the council abreast of the communications, I felt yeah. like, oh, I was surprised. You know, we asked about the petition and right. the, those, those key things that they had asked for and whether or not where they were on that and where the city was on that. And it seems that they've been working on it but you know, I think one thing that we did ask for was getting a response on that. 
Yeah, I actually, I had no idea that they were right. having those meetings. So I was actually kind of, I was glad to know that that, mm-hmm, that was happening. Mm-hmm. And our city manager was there talking about things that they um, have been working on. And uh, it was just a really hard conversation. I mean, there was a guy who got up and I, yeah, he was very, very angry. And I don't blame him. I don't blame him. Don't yeah. Blame him. And so, yeah, if you see a taxi, just take it. Just take it. Just take yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, that's it for some of the, the, the nitty-gritty policy f- issues that came out for the week. We wanted to tell you a little bit about the events that are coming up. So we mentioned this last week, but the Cambridge Historical Society is hosting a cafe featuring us on Wednesday, us. April 10th, uh, <laughs> from 6.30 to 8 p.m. Please come. Uh, please come at CCTV. And we'll be talking about local government and how... We've engaged with residents and how using the internet and social media can serve as tools. And Smarika Suval, a Cambridge and Latin School alumnus and now a history and classics double major at the College of the Holy Cross in Worcester, will moderate our conversation. I'm excited for that. Um, I hope people <laughs> I hope people come. You can buy tickets. Yes, I will tweet that. I will tweet that. We'll, we'll tweet that, that yeah. Um, okay. Also, for all you people who are looking for a cool way to interact with the city and get more involved, um, the city is currently looking to fill a number of board vacancies. So you can see information about each committee um, if you go online and just search uh, Cambridge City Committees. People are needed for the Bicycle Committee, the Pedestrian Committee, the Transit Advisory Committee, the Future of Mobility Implementation Blueprint Advisory Group. That's a mouthful. I know. (laughs) The Foundry and the Foundry Advisory Committee. So these are volunteer positions and they generally meet around once a month. And here is what I would say. They're not super diverse. Nope. So um, please apply if you're interested in any of those things. And just, you know, if you're interested in a committee um, that is, doesn't currently have a vacancy, just reach out to Sumble and myself and we can kind of keep an eye on what comes up and, and get back to you. Because there, there are- There's vacancies. turnover yeah, too. Yeah, there is definitely turnover. And we'd love to have, we'd love to have some of our listeners <laughs> on, yes. on some of these boards and commissions. Yes, yes. So also this Saturday, if you're free and have a dog, the city is hosting a rabies vaccination clinic. So uh, it's free? It's not free. Uh, From 9 to 11 a.m. at the Department of Public Works. That's on 147 Hampshire Street. And if you don't know, rabies vaccinations are required for dogs six months or older. And the cost is $15 per dog, cash or check only. That's kind of nice. Yeah. I didn't know the city did that. I don't have a dog, but... You should go. Like, <laughs> I should just go. Just like pets and scout dogs. it out. Yeah. <laughs> All y'all don't have rabies. <laughs> I know. Okay. Also on Saturday from 9 to 1 p.m., um, there's going to be a household hazardous waste collection at the Volpe Lot 4, the entrance of 125 Monroe Street. Um, you can find a list of accepted items at www.cambridgema.gov slash hazardous waste. So if you have... Um, old paint cans or gas cans or anything that you're curious about whether or not is considered hazardous waste that you can't put it out in your curbside trash check out the list and definitely stop by it's definitely worth doing um and then oh also on saturday yeah. the isb uh, is hosting the islamic society of boston uh our our mosque is in on cambridge in, in cambridge on prospect street they're hosting an art event uh, at 2.30 p.m. and the depart- the event is open for to everyone. I think I'm going to stop by. You know I love an art event. You should. I'm definitely, you know, Jasper will want to go. And then on Sunday, are you running this race? 
I am not because my daughter is refusing to run. Oh, but my husband, my husband and my son will run. So it's on April seventh, uh, from nine to eleven. Fresh Pond, and uh, it's the Andrea Harvey City Run Walk, uh, aka Friends of Cambridge Athletics Run. It's a 5K around Fresh Pond to benefit the Andrea Harvey Memorial Fund, which supports scholarships for high school students and domestic violence prevention efforts. Such a good cause. Yeah, I would. I want to run it, but my ankle. Oh God. I know. I should walk it. Um, you should walk it. I'll actually be out of town. So, uh, but I, I think. It's it's always a great event. Um, so it's thirty five dollars, and the registration includes a T shirt. And youth under eighteen can register for free in person at the race. Um, and then, so lastly, don't forget to get your tickets to Unpacking White Feminism on April thirtieth at five thirty at the Cambridge Main Library. This is a talk with Rachel Cargyle, and according to the um, event, it will uncover layers of unlearned details, revealing the problematic effects that white centered ad- activism has had on the past and present state of the feminist movement. She leaves her audience with new knowledge, meaningful tools, and powerful action items towards a more intentional and inclusive feminism. The event itself is free, but you have to reserve tickets at www.alturl.com slash mbtku. So I have some bad news. I made you say all that, but like I just got told from Sarah that it's sold out. See, this is why I got it. I got us tickets last week. Thank you so much. Is there a way we can? How do we get some extra tickets? Oh, I got four. (gasps) Oh, oh, good. So for me, you, Sarah, oh my gosh, they're gonna be so happy. And well, don't tell them. Oh, Oh, you're such a good person. They're gonna if they listen to this, they better. <laughs> All right. So, sorry, everyone. Yeah, that's why we said it last week because um, Kimberly Sansusi from the Women's Commission was like, as soon as this gets out, it's it, wow. it'll sell out because this lady is awesome. And apparently. it's at the main library. That's a lot of seats. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ooh, it's going to be great. Okay. Well, so, sorry, everyone. Sorry. Well, anyways. <laughs> anyway, uh, we hope you have a great weekend. Yes. Have a great weekend. Thanks for tuning in. Um, if you love this podcast, and I hope you do, please share it with your friends. Um, we would love to um, reach as many Cambridge residents and let them know about all the exciting things happening here, like rabies vaccination clinics. Trash. And trash. <laughs> How much Sumble and I are starving at ordinance committee hearings. <laughs> <laughs> all kinds of stuff like that. So share it with your friends. Tell them about this podcast. And if you have anything that you'd like to know about, if there's information or clarity we can give you on issues that are happening in the city right now, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, tweet at us. I'm at A-M-M-A-L-L-O-N. And I'm at S-U-M-B-U-L-S-I-D-D. And if you have, if we get something wrong, you can let us know too. Oh, yeah, definitely do. Yeah. <laughs> Some of you have. <laughs> <laughs> we love you. <laughs> well, have everybody have a great week and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.